Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I'm, I'm super excited to have been able or be, I am being able to preach through Romans right now and I'm excited about preaching through Romans 8 today. If you're joining us on, online, this is your first time, thanks for joining us. If, if you're a regular online, I'd encourage you to come and join us because it's not the same experience. These people are great, they're nice, they're loving, and they will love on you. But if you want to be left alone, they'll leave you alone too. But we really feel like that... That being gathered together like the early church was is a significant part of our celebration of worship that we do every Sunday. So, so we miss you. Even though you're comfortable on your couch, you can be comfortable. Our, our, our chairs here are really, really good. And they're comfortable. And the preacher, the worship is awesome in the room. And the preaching is pretty good. <laughs> Give me a benefit of the doubt. Benefit of the doubt. Hey, if you've been with us through Romans, this is the eighth week of Romans, and I've, I've really enjoyed it, getting to preach. This is one of my bucket list things that I get to do. But if you'll remember with me the way we originally started this series, we were talking about modern Romans, and that we are finding, our goal is to find true north, because we all have these internal compasses. They're actually spiritual compasses in our life and sometimes they go a spinning especially after what we've experienced as a culture over the last two years and it doesn't seem like it's getting any better if you ask me it's still I, I think people are on edge a little on edge I was walking into Kroger's this a couple weeks ago and I was just smiling I was just happy to be there I'd worked hard it was like a 97 degree day and I'd worked hard and I was going in to buy some stuff and I was smiling, and I was happy. I mean, I'd been outside. It was gorgeous. And lo and behold, the, the, the cart guy was going in the wrong door. He was going in the outdoor instead of the indoor. And this, there was a little young lady came along and said, rah, 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 rah. he's going in the wrong door. And she looked at me, and I said, hey, no big deal. Oh, yeah, just let him get, off, get by with it. I'm thinking, now I've become the cart police to you? And I noticed as I was smiling and going through the grocery store, people weren't smiling. And, and a guy yesterday, I was in the grocery store yesterday, and believe me, I, that's not my happy place. <laughs> Dodging carts and seeing people frown is not my happy place. And he said, hey, where's the aisle with the cheap groceries? And I said, only in your dreams. <laughs> I did, I really responded like that. And so... Dealing with all of that, our internal compasses can get messed up. And so this whole series is about our internal compass being calibrated true north. The true north is the lordship of Jesus Christ. That as believers saved by grace through faith, as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, however you want to say it, we want to bow our knee to Jesus and no other. 
And true north is simply following Jesus in every area of our life, which the Apostle Paul is trying to convince us of that. And that brings us to the question of the day, which is this. What does the Holy Spirit give us? What does the Holy Spirit give us? Now, I was raised in the 70s and the 80s. I'm a child of the 60s, but raised in the 70s and the 80s. And so the charismatic movement and the Holy Spirit, man, was, was huge at that time. And people were casting out demons and casting out the Holy Spirit and afraid of people who were doing the gifts of the Spirit. And it was just kind of crazy. And my family was divided over this issue. And mom and dad, if you're watching, you remember the times when I said, I need to cast the demon out of you. And you. Everybody was going to hell, like Tony said. It was a different time. But there was no appreciation of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it broke my heart. It broke my heart. I was talking to a preacher that preached 40 years, did a great job, worked for the Lord, and, and was wondering, I mean, mega church guy. Mega church guy. And now he's older than me, chronologically challenged, a man of a certain age, and he just wants to be useful for the kingdom of God. So he's going from a church of four or 5,000, and, and he's wondering if a church of 50 would allow him to preach and be a pastor for him. I said, man, you're crazy. I don't want a church of 50. I'd rather be where I am than have a church of 50 because they're the hardest to lead. But he's insecure and, and feeling low, but he's been mightily used by God. But, but he also said to me he had... He didn't have an understanding of what the Holy Spirit was in his ministry. And I'm thinking, man, you missed the opportunity of, of sharing with people the power of God that is present in our world today, the desires to work in and amongst us, to, to, to show the victory we have in Christ, and to attract people that are far from God, because that Spirit of God is calling them unto himself. And so the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, he starts with these two verses which are incredibly powerful. And he says, there is now no condemn, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now, what Paul is doing is he's summarizing what he said in, verse, or in chapter 6 and chapter 7. Remember, because he says, we're freed, the shackles and the chains of sin have dropped away from us because we are in Christ and we are saved, so they fall away. And, and, and the law is no longer binding us. We are no longer shackled by chains to the law. And so he's saying now, since that is true, you are no longer you're under no condemnation. You are under grace. And he's saying, therefore, since you have no condemnation, there's no, this is a legal term to say, to judge someone as definitely guilty and thus subject to punishment. Now, I want to say today, if that doesn't excite you, then you don't, have, you don't understand that. And for you guys that have been in church all your lives and you still live under guilt and shame, you don't understand what this is saying. Because you're saved by grace through faith, there is no condemnation. There is no need for guilt or shame. Now, if you're convicted of sin, repent, you are forgiven. But there's no need for guilt or shame because Christ's blood covers it. Remember, grace is 
is so great that you aren't a good enough sinner to outpace God's grace for you. So get rid of that guilt and shame. That is an attack from Satan to destroy you to depress you, to create anxiety, because you'll never be good enough, so we rely on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's not a sermon I came to preach today, but somebody needed that. So what does the Holy Spirit give you? First of all, he gives you a way to walk, a way to live this life. He goes on, Paul says, Inspired by God, he says, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but how? But according to the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. We don't walk in the flesh. We are radically different than the world because of the Spirit that lives inside of us. Now, for those who live according to the flesh, and some of you are, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the what? The things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. That's a fail, no matter what. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Hey, you got some anxiety? Living by the flesh, living by the spirit. Is God giving you peace because you're relying by faith on what he's going to do? We live in the most anxious culture that have ever existed. And we have more than we've ever had in our lives. Why is that? Could we be living in the flesh rather than the spirit? Then Paul says in verse 7, he says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. You ever see some hostile people? (laughs) Go to Kroger's. (laughs) Ah, I'm going to get, well, I won't go there. (laughs) For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We can't do it. We can't earn it. Listen, when those shackles of the law and the shackles of sin are dropped and we're living in grace and we're walking by the Holy Spirit, it's because we've been freed from the law and from sin. It no longer has power over us. And that's what we've got to realize, that when we talk about freedom, we have been freed in Christ to live in the spirit of the God that loves us. And then Paul goes on, he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So are you in the flesh or are you in the spirit? Let's try that again. Are you in the flesh or are you in the So there's a spiritual reality in our lives. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now you say, well, you know, Chris, I don't feel the Spirit. I'm not jumping up and down or jumping over the chairs. I'm not running up up and down the aisles. I don't have this heavenly language. I don't don't feel like I have the Spirit of God. I don't care whether you feel it or not. If you're a child of God, 
You have the Holy Spirit. It's inside of you. It's whether or not you cooperate with the Spirit of God. That's another thing that we're going to talk about. When we live in the Spirit, we've got to cooperate with the Spirit. And those, those convictions, those, those thoughts that come into your mind, in your life, those things that you know I ought to do or somebody, somebody pops into your head, that's the Spirit of God talking to you. And, and that's real. And you need to follow through. Or, or when you're saying, well, I wasn't really as kind to that person that was a little uh, sarcastic about the cart guy at Kroger's. That's the Spirit of God talking to me, and I was thinking, well, I could be nice to somebody that's mean and bitter and living in the flesh and probably going to hell. I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. But, but that Spirit of God talks to me as well. Now, Paul goes on. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. That's a little scary, isn't it? But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also do what? Give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You know, by by the very fact that you come to church and you're sitting in that chair, God is extending your life. Church people live longer. And it's not, I don't think it's because you don't smoke, drink, or, or chew, or go with girls that do. Not the moral law. I think it's because the Spirit of God gives you life. And because a fellowship gives us life. Because we need each other. We're, we're supposed to support, support each other, to help each other, to solve problems together, to live in community. We were not intended to live alienated far from one another, No. Now, that doesn't mean I want you to move into my house tomorrow. Sorry, I like you, but you're welcome to sit on my front porch and drink a cup of coffee with me or a cold cold uh, glass of water or something as we talk and share our lives together or in, in my life group because I need to be with you. See... If the Spirit of God lives in you, which I know it does by the Word of God, you will be controlled by the Spirit of God. And that's putting ourselves in God's hands by faith and saying, Holy Spirit, fill me and guide me and use me. Now here's the scary thing. It is possible to be a sterling church member, be here every Sunday, without having the presence of the Holy Spirit in one's life. And without the Spirit of Christ, one does not belong to Christ. That's a little scary. You could live your whole life, you mean, not being controlled by the Holy Spirit and, and, and think you're a Christian and go to church every Sunday? Absolutely. Because the Spirit gives us the ability to walk in this life. But also, the Holy Spirit gives us the relationship that can't be taken away. This is something that you can bank on, folks. Because there's going to be challenges where the Holy Spirit doesn't seem like he's there. But, but he gives us a relationship that cannot be taken away. And Paul goes on in verse 12, he says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We're not debtors to our flesh. But for if, if you live according to the flesh, you will die you got life or death choice here. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will 
live. Now, this is powerful. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Remember fear and anxiety? But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, this is, this is the relationship I'm talking about here that we all should have. God, it's like saying God is our daddy. Now, for some of you, you had great fathers, and this is no problem. But for some of you, you didn't have great fathers. Maybe they weren't connected. Maybe you were alienated. Maybe you never knew your father. Well, even if you did, there's no human father that is comparable to the father God that we have. And I, and I, I have known this all of my life in my head, but I haven't known it in my heart all my life. And, and here is where it makes a difference because it's an emotional thing with God and it should be an emotional thing with, with you that you have a daddy who is the creator of the universe that loves you like crazy. And if I could ever get that through you, that he is for you, that if you could give him the benefit of the doubt, if you could fill in that gap with how much he loved you, that radical crazy love, then it would change the way you walk in this life. Because, you know, stuff happens. Bad things happen. People we love die. People get cancer. Divorces occur. Relationships die. Sometimes they're awful. Sometimes they're conflictual. But we have a God who loves you and he will never, ever forsake you that that relationship is one that you can count on. In verse 16, Paul says this, inspired by God. He says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. Now, there's a word in that passage that I don't like. It's uh, suffering. I don't, I don't care for that. I'm not going to ask for suffering. I don't like it. I don't like pain. Sorry. But Paul says that we will share in that suffering. And he gives us a way because the Holy Spirit gives us a way to suffer. You see, we have more than freedom from sin because of our salvation. We have a family and we have a father and we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's huge in our relationships. I am closer to some of you than my own physical, blood, biological family members because we have this in common, the body of Christ. So not only does the Holy Spirit give us life, not only does the Holy Spirit help us, Three, the Holy Spirit gives us purpose through the pain. What I found among Christians, more mature Christians, that they have experienced the dark night of the soul. They have suffered without feeling the presence of God. Mother Teresa writes in her biography, she says, basically there, from the time she entered her order until she passed away, she didn't feel God. 
but she knew God was working in her. Before that, she felt God. But again, our devotion isn't measured by our feelings. It is measured by our faith in what God has said. So we won't always feel certain things. But we know, just like your children should know, that they are always loved, they are always accepted, they are always acknowledged, they are always affirmed, and they are always loved. Amen? And you can say the, tr- the same of God. Let's look at verses 18 through 25. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willing because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The Apostle Paul is saying some things here that when we see pollution, when we see devastation, when we see tornadoes and hurricanes and natural disasters, that is creation groaning. When we see drought, when we see hunger, that is creation groaning. And he's also saying to us that this world is not our home. That we're just pilgrims, we're just passing through. Our home is a heavenly home that the Father has prepared for us. And understand this, any believer who does not groan inwardly and wait eagerly for his or her adoption has a shallow understanding of the present condition and the future hope God has provided for his children. There's going to be pain and suffering in this world. It's not if, it is when we will suffer. This life isn't easy. But how much harder would it be without a God, without the Spirit of God living in us? Living in this world requires patient hope. And if you lose that hope, folks, you're in trouble because all you've got is to live in the flesh. And we know that's death. But here's what God says. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we... Do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, now, I hope you can get this. I pray regularly. I pray for you all. I pray for people to come to faith. I pray for all kinds of things. 
But I also say, Lord, you know, let the Holy Spirit take over and please pray for me. Because he knows what he's doing. He knows his purpose. He knows his plan. My prayers aren't always answered according to my desires. But according to my, my God's desire for me. And that Father is faithful. And I can look back in my life and say, Well, God, you didn't answer my prayer, but guess this is what you did. And it was better. It was better for me and for those that I love. Now listen, this is powerful. So then we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now let me clarify something. All things work together for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Do you believe that? And if you have the Spirit of God living in you, if you're saved by grace through faith, you're a follower of Jesus, God is for you. Now, everything that occurs in our lives is not good. Let's just, let's just face reality for a moment. That's, there's bad things that happen to good people all the time. It does. But we've got to believe that God is working everything for you. Now, the other thing that goes down this, and I don't want to neglect this as, I, as we look at this scripture, there's a lot of predestination, there's a lot of calling, there's a lot of election, election in this passage. I don't want you to get confused because, like I said before, I was preaching a while back and I said, I'm a free will guy. I'm an Arminian. I like the free will. That doesn't neglect the sovereignty of God. Do I believe in predestined? Do I believe in calling? Do I believe in election? Do I believe in chosen? Absolutely. Now, those two things look completely worlds apart. And theologians have fought that for thousands of years, the last 2,000 years. They fought, well, you're predestined, so you don't have a choice. The free willers say, but whoever calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Well, can two opposite things apparently in Scripture coexist? Absolutely. It's called antinomy. A-N-T-I-N-O-M-Y. It means that God's mind is bigger than ours. That those things can exist at the same time and our minds are too finite to understand it. So I believe in free will and I also believe in chosen and predestined and a calling and an election. We're justified and we're righteous. But I also believe that whoever hears the gospel of Jesus Christ can respond to it and make a choice to follow Jesus. How cool is that? You mean God, my God's bigger than, than uh, my mind and your mind and 2,000 years of theologians? Absolutely. John Newton said this. He said, everything is necessary that God sends. Nothing can be necessary that he withholds. What he's saying there for you complainers is he's got you covered. You have all that you need and he's going to supply everything that you need. And if you don't need it, you don't have it because he has a purpose. We have enough. 
The question is, if all of your prayers were from this week were answered, think about the prayers of this last week, would you look more like Jesus? Remember, the point is that we are to be in the likeness and the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. As disciples, don't ever stop trying to be more like Jesus. We need the Spirit's help. The other thing is, if all of your prayers from this week were answered, would the people around you look more like Jesus? Who are you praying for? Who are you seeing and asking to, to take the next step to, to level up in their relationship with Jesus. Don't just stay where you were. Let's grow together to be mature in Christ. What am I not doing for the Lord Jesus Christ? And then Paul, he's going to wrap up here in a second in this chapter. He says, what shall we say to these things? He's just Summarizing it all, if God is for us, who can be against us? And if, if I could experiencing anything for you today that I wish that you experience, it would be this. That you could know that you know that you could know, not only in your head, but in your heart and in your emotions, that God is for you. That God is for you. This was a turning point for me. This is a transformational point for me. Probably 10, 15 years ago. That the God of the universe is for me. Now how crazy is that? Now how, how do you leverage that? How do you leverage that? My dad's bigger than your dad. My dad is the creator of the universe. There's no one in comparison to my dad. My daddy's stronger, bigger, greater. He created better, more than we will ever acknowledge or imagine. If you don't, if you don't know your earthly dad and you don't have a good relationship, guess what? You've got a heavenly father that's crazy in love with you that, that is beyond leverage. He's bigger than everybody else. And he is for you. If you could just experience and know that, I think it would change your life. And that's what we're about in the image and likeness of the Lord Jesus. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us what? All things. Everything we need. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. How much better does it get? And then he says, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or or higher grocery cost or inflation or COVID-19 or political division or CNN or Fox News. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So there's no separation. We start this passage, 8-1, no condemnation. There's no separation. There's no way. There is no way that our dad 
is going to be separated from his child. And there's no way that we're going to be separated from his love. Because he loves you that much. That's crazy. No guilt, no anxiety, no separation. Some of you walk around saying, well, do they love me? Do they love me? Do they love me? Let me tell you, your heavenly father, your daddy loves you like crazy. There is no separation. Then he wraps up. He says, know in all these things, know in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, let me just say more than conquerors. This is the only time in the New Testament this word is used. Hooper Nakio. You know, you're familiar with Nike? The brand Nike, biggest in the market in athletic wear, huge, huge. Probably their, their stock's down too, too bad. Anyway, he uses Hooper Nikeo saying super conqueror. And, and this is so wild because the culture that he's addressing, the city that he's addressing is an empire around the world, the greatest empire that existed up to that moment. They conquered everything. But he's saying to the Roman church, he's saying, you are more, you are mega victorious spiritually in Christ Jesus. No condemnation, no separation. You're freed from sin, freed from the law, saved by grace, and you have the Spirit of God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. Do you get it? Do you get it? That's what the Holy Spirit gives. This morning, will you please stand as I pray? Eternal God and Father, we are grateful that we have been made more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. That's hard to imagine because, Lord, we, we get frustrated we get depressed, we get discouraged, we're fearful, we're anxious people. But you come along and place our, your spirit inside of us. You declare that there's no condemnation. You promise us there's no separation from your love. And Father, I just pray that at an emotional, at a heart level, that every person in this room would get it. Every person that's online would get it. That you are for us. No guilt, no anxiety, no fear can come against us because you're our daddy. And that's a huge thing to leverage if we really, really get it. That you are for us and that you love us. And Father, I just ask that this would be engrafted into our spirit, mind, and body, into our soul in such a way, Father, that it will change radically the way that we live, the way we pray the way we were led by your spirit. And Father, I just ask that as people are coming to faith that are getting to know you, they would make that step of faith to confess you as Lord and Savior. Father, for those that need to, to join a church and be part of a body, I pray they do that. And Father, I pray that your spirit would drive them into community to be disciples. We can't do it by ourselves. We weren't created that way. We were created 
to need and want to be with each other. Father, I pray that that would occur in our lives. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.